Thank you, Brother Mayo, and praise the Lord to everyone. Man, it's good to be in church. On a Friday afternoon, it's good to be in church. Praise God. What a meeting. What a meeting. I mean, from the very first night, Wednesday night, Brother Bass's sermon was just fantastic, wonderful. And then yesterday, Brother Bo and Brother Booker, just um, great preachers, as good as I've ever heard them preach. Oh, Lord, have mercy, such preaching. And then last night, Brother Prado, that was a tremendous service, tremendous spirit, tremendous move of God. And then we just heard from Brother Holmes. What a powerful message. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I deeply admire and respect and appreciate Brother Holmes. Great man of God. I remember several years ago, the first time I went to preach with Brother Holmes, I, they put me in a motel not too far from the church and came to church and so on. And the next morning, I think I was there a couple of nights, the next morning, I had to catch the plane and leave. And Brother Holmes said, he may not even remember this, he said, Brother Goodair, what time do you leave? And I told him, he said, um, I'll go by the church and pray a while, hour or so. He said, would you like to go with me and pray before you fly out? I said, sure would. And I, I got introduced to Brother Joel Holmes praying and, the, and that church praying. And there were... I'm going to say that morning, that time of the morning, there was probably, mm, I'm guessing, two or three hundred people in that sanctuary praying all over that sanctuary. At least. Man. This man don't just talk about it, he does it. Don't just preach about it, he does it. And I love Brother Holmes, great church. I think it was mentioned today, probably in terms of number, perhaps the largest apostolic Pentecostal church in America. And I know when you go there on Sunday morning and you go back Sunday night and you go back Tuesday night, they don't have a great drop-off in the crowd. And on Tuesday night, the place is full. And what a great church. What a great church. We count them in... In Durham, we count them, when we started with zero, but we count them now a few hundred. They count them in thousands. <laughs> 16,000 tickets sold to their, uh, to their Easter drama this past week. So I'm really happy to be with Brother Holmes. Brother Mayo, it is a pleasure to be with you. I appreciate and love this good man, his wife, family. What a work he has done in Spokane. Amen. Amen. A great man of God, a great spiritual leader among us, he and his wife and family have set the pace in this area. 
for Holy Ghost Apostolic Revival. I love Brother and Sister Mayo and their family. Great people, great church here, beautiful building. Man, what used to be in here was a uh, car, <laughs> car dealership. Beautiful church, beautiful auditorium. And if they get that building across the street, look out, devil, look out. <laughs> Praise God. My Lord, have mercy. Hallelujah. I think we ought to clap our hands for that. Glory. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Great. Thank you, Brother Mayo, for being the great man that you are, the great man of God, the leader among us, and we thank God for you. Thank you for the nice room and the uh, nice basket and the good hospitality and the cadets helping you. And everybody here wants to help you. All the food, everybody wants to help you. And uh, that, that speaks well for the pastor. Amen. Amen. And so I am delighted to be here with all of these men that have spoken and all the other great men of God that are here that I deeply respect and admire. Thank God to be with you and your families and the saints of God. It's great to be here with you. God bless you. Let's open our Bibles and um, let's see. Um, I always quit on Friday afternoon by 4.30. Praise God. Now on my watch, on my watch, it's 28 minutes till four right now. I'm on Eastern Standard Time. So I've been trying to adjust to this time three hours since I got here day before yesterday. But uh, I'll just preach a while. But um, thank you again for the opportunity to be here. Look forward to Brother Marks tonight. Amen. Amen. Brother Marks just preached two weeks for us in March in Durham. And we had about 30 to receive the Holy Ghost and um, baptized good number of people. Hallelujah. I love Brother Marks, the great evangelist among us, and I appreciate him so much, so very much. He got something sparked in our church. We was already having a little bit of revival, but man, he took it to a new level. When he left, Every service since then, folks have gotten baptized, gotten the Holy Ghost, every service. Amen. And um, this past Sunday was Easter, and we baptized three Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, and uh, one of them was deaf, was on the front row in our deaf ministry, couldn't speak or hear a thing, baptized her, she's about 45, 50 years old in the water Sunday morning, she started speaking in tongues as plainly as anybody you've ever heard in your life. Praise God. Hallelujah. And Sunday night, one got the Holy Ghost, one was baptized, and I went home and went to bed after church and about 10 minutes till two, Monday morning, a.m., I got a call. They said, Pastor, we're in the prayer room. And I said, good. They said, we just had four brand new people to get the Holy Ghost. <laughs> 10 minutes or two. 
<laughs> Amen. Folks praying through at 10 or 2 in the morning, four of them. Then some of them went back to the prayer room, was praying Monday night, and another new lady got the Holy Ghost. And then um, Tuesday night in Bible study, another one was baptized, and two more got the Holy Ghost. So uh, let's have church. Praise God. How many love revival? Let's lift our hands and praise him. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus' name. I believe revival is the will of God for the church in this house. It's God's will. Let me read from Luke chapter 1, if you have a Bible this afternoon. Luke chapter 1, verse 1. Luke 1, verse 1. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. Now, if you'd please turn to Acts chapter 1 with me before you're seated. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 1. Acts 1 and verse 1. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Luke 1 and Acts 1, I've read Luke's writings in both incidents, and he talks about in Luke and in Acts how that what we've seen, what we have been eyewitnesses of. He calls himself an eyewitness. And so today, for a few minutes, I'd like to speak. My subject would be the preeminence of an eyewitness the preeminence of an eyewitness. You may be seated. God bless you in Jesus' name. Um, the word preeminence. God. All right. That sounds all right. Praise the Lord. My son-in-law was out here and preached for y'all, didn't he? Brother Betts, didn't he preach for y'all? Brother Betts is my son-in-law. Baptized that rascal when he was 11 years old. I, I, you know, I could tell. He's my son-in-law now. I didn't know he'd be my son-in-law, but he's been out here preaching. And uh, great evangelist. I love, love my daughter, Cindy. 
and uh, brother and sister Betts. In fact, I've got two daughters and two son-in-laws and five grandchildren. And, and, um, <laughs> and all of my grandchildren are boys except four. And um, so <laughs> I love Brother and Sister Betts, Brother and Sister Mitchell, doing a great job in Denver. They had 200 and something last Sunday, a home missions church. Been there six years, started with zero. Thank God for home missions. Thank God for home missions. Praise God. The word, um, the word preeminence um, actually in its meaning is to establish a first claim. To establish a first claim. It also means to take possession in advance of others. To take possession in advance of others. It also means, and a preeminence means superiority or distinction. And then the word eyewitness I looked at this word, and it means several things, but it's one who sees an event occur. It is an eyewitness. It is more than I think. It's more than I heard about. It's more than somebody told me. It's more than I think it happened once upon a time. An eyewitness of a, for example, a car wreck or a train wreck or an airplane wreck uh, is one who saw it happen. If an eyewitness goes to court, I've been in court with certain people on different occasions, and um, they had to testify, and I saw it. I don't think the judge really accepts very much when you say, that's what I heard, or somebody told me. I can't remember, but somebody somebody told me, or I heard about this. Uh, They're not going to accept that too much. But if somebody can stand on that stand and say, I saw this. I'm not telling you what I think. I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm not telling you my opinion. I'm telling you what I saw. Amen. And eyewitness. Thank God for eyewitnesses. Let me turn one more time to Second um, Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 12. 2 Peter 1 and 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet as long as I'm in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. For you have not followed cunningly devised fables. When we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Hallelujah. Peter is saying, I was there. I was there when it happened. I saw it. I observed it for myself. 
But he said, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice of him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Amen. It pleased the Father, Paul said in Colossians, to dwell in the Son. God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. And then in verse 18, in this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. So the apostle Peter is saying in his writings, I was there, I heard it, I saw it. This is not something that somebody just handed down to me. But I was an eyewitness of his majesty and his glory. Now, when I was studying for this little message, I, I, um, I thought of two great men in the New Testament, in my opinion, the two greatest uh, preachers and writers of the New Testament was Peter and Paul. And uh, they were both great men of God, but they were somewhat different in what they went through and uh, how they came to know God. And uh, we know about Saul of Tarsus. We heard about him when Stephen was stoned to death. And they threw his clothes down at a young man's feet whose name was Saul, who was still breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. This is the Saul that had letters in his pocket to go and get Christians and bind them and bring them back to Jerusalem and have them put in jail or prison, and some he even had killed for the gospel's sake. Paul, Saul of Tarsus, didn't like this way. He didn't like this apostolic truth. He didn't like this Holy Ghost that had been given. But on the Damascus Road in Acts chapter 9, Saul had a personal encounter with God that absolutely revolutionized his life. It changed him. I still believe the Holy Ghost will change you. Pray. In fact, I know it will. The Holy Ghost will change your life. Brother Marks was preaching recently there in, in, in last month in our church, and we had uh, one night three men to get the Holy Ghost. One of them, his wife, was back here. They never came to the altar. They got the Holy Ghost back here. One got it over here, and one got it over on the side. And uh, uh, I didn't say a word to them. I just loved them, prayed with them, prayed for them. And they came back to church, and all three of them looked different after a few services. They came a few services, and then they came back. They all look different. I thought, well, they look a little different. What was I not seeing? Oh, okay. They'd all three got a haircut and got a shave. And um, <laughs> I, I didn't say a word to them. You know, the Holy Ghost will still teach us something. <laughs> Hallelujah. One man told me about eight months ago, he said, I, um, I, if you can give me a scripture 
about shaving my beard, I'll do it. Give me a scripture. I said, it's in the next verse. After it said, thou shalt not smoke a camel cigarette. <laughs> I said, do you smoke cigarettes? He said, no. I said, would you? He said, no. I said, give me a verse that says don't smoke cigarettes. Don't chew tobacco. Don't dip snuff. <laughs> well, praise God. I believe there are scriptures that basically cover these issues. Hallelujah. But anyhow, Paul was on, Saul was on the road to Damascus. God arrested him, fell off his beast of burden, heard a voice, saw a light, told what to do, went into, a preach, into, into the town, and a preacher told him what to do. Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that met you in the way. Ah, he talked to me too, and I've got a word for you. Saul, Saul of Tarsus got baptized in Jesus' name, got filled with the Holy Ghost. God changed his life. God changed his nature. God changed his name. He's no longer Saul of Tarsus. He's Paul the Apostle. Amen. Called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And Paul said, I magnify mine office. Amen. What do you do when you magnify something? You make it larger. You make it bigger. You look through a glass, and if something's magnified, it becomes much bigger. Paul said, I magnify mine office. Amen. I want to make this message and this gospel as big as I can. Paul said, I magnify my, I'm going to tell you something. If you're baptized in Jesus' name, got the Holy Ghost and the revelation of the mighty God in Christ, you are a blessed individual. You are a highly favored individual. Anybody happy? that you've been born of water and spirit. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. You're not born again by repenting. You're not born again when you say, I receive Jesus. You're not born again by walking the aisle and joining the church and signing the card and shaking hands with the reverend. You're born again, John 3, 5, of water and spirit. That's what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. And I still thank God for water baptism and spirit baptism. Amen. And you may be seated. In water baptism... We are baptized into Christ. In spirit baptism, he's baptized into us. Thank God for water and spirit baptism. Well, praise God. So when you look at the life of Peter and Paul, both, both of them were great men of God. Both of them had a great calling. Both of them had a great purpose but they were personally 
about as different as daylight is from dark. When you look at Paul and Simon Peter, that's a different situation altogether. You know, the Bible said in Acts 4 and 13 that Peter and John were just ignorant and unlearned men. But they could they could teach somebody something. Even though they were ignorant and unlearned men by the scholarly viewpoint of that day, the people took knowledge of them. I said the, the doubters took knowledge of them. That one, one thing they had that this world didn't have, they had been with Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank God for education and for those that have it. Thank God for those in the church that are not highly educated. God can use everyone. I said if you've got a a college degree and you're skilled, use that for the glory of God. If you're uneducated, Use what you've got for the glory of God. God can use all of us. Well, glory. And so I'm not here today uh, to magnify ignorance. I'm not here to exalt not knowing anything. I, I heard about a preacher uh, in a certain state, and he was up preaching in, in a conference and uh, years and years ago, and uh, he was preaching against education and preaching against Bible schools, preaching against, he called them <coughs> preacher's factories. He said, thank God I'm not, I've not been to one of those preacher's factories, and, and uh, he was really, really making his point against education, and when he got to the end of his message, He just closed it by saying, I want to thank God for my ignorance. (laughs) The man stepped up as the leader in the MC of the service, and the first thing he said was, apparently our brother's got a lot to be thankful for. (laughs) 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 So I don't want to thank God for my ignorance, but I found out that if you've never been, I've seen people that's never been to school a day in their life and they got the Holy Ghost and they're living for God. I've seen people, high school graduates, college graduates. I've seen people with degrees. It doesn't matter in this kingdom. There is a place for you. Hallelujah, there's a place for you. First church we started in Malden, Missouri, and that was in uh, 1962. My Lord, have mercy. Brother Marks, that was long before you was born. <laughs> and uh, started in an old storefront. And I'm telling you, it had, I'm not going to go into all of that, but it didn't have any running water, didn't have a restroom inside. They probably wouldn't let you have church in something like that now. I mean, it was, it was something to look at. And not very good. It was an old storefront. And I got out there and tried to paint it myself. And I wasn't a painter. And I got more paint on me than I did on the building. And, and I painted the floor a bright red. Can you imagine that, Brother Mayo? 
painted the floor bright red. Didn't have a restroom, didn't have running water, didn't have a, anything. Just, just started having church. Hallelujah. And got a, got a handful of people coming. Didn't know a soul in that town. And got a handful of people coming. And, and then uh, we, we started passing out. In those days, we passed out songbooks for everybody. Now then, we don't pass them out. We can, we can read them, read the songs up here. Boy, what a, what a great group of musicians and singers you have. My Lord. Some of the best here. But I, I uh, had some, I ordered a few songbooks and got them. And as a brother in the church, I baptized. First man I baptized, his name was Bugs McAvoy. With a name like that, he was an interesting fella. Everybody called him Bugs. Everybody. And he came in, and he told me after he got the Holy Ghost, he said, I've never been to school a day in my life. And he was about 50 or 55 then, so he was, he was born on, on back. But he said, I've never been to school. But one night he came to me, and he said, he had tears in his eyes, and he said, Pastor, would, would you mind me doing something in this church? I said, what's that? He said, I got something in mind if you'll let me. He said, I can't play music, can't sing, can't talk. But he said, if you'll let me, I'd like to pass out all these songbooks and hand them out to everybody. And then when I get through singing, I'll go around and pick them up and I'll put them back here in a neat place and I'll have them ready for the next service. And I said, Brother Bugs, that's what you can do. Praise God. You go after it. And brother, every time he'd walk through that little old small building handing out songbooks, had a smile on his face. I'm going to tell you, whatever you do for God, you ought to do it with all of your heart. Praise God, praise God, praise God. He was in that church till he passed away and his wife, they still have a daughter that's still in church in southeast Missouri. Still living for God. I'm going to tell you, friend, if you don't have any education, don't let that be a hindrance to you. God's got a place of servitude in the church for you. Amen. And if you got so many degrees, they call you Dr. Fahrenheit. Brother, there's a place in the kingdom of God for you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We've got a lot of folks now that are graduates of Duke University, which is only a four mile from our church. And, we, and, and I've got a man and his wife coming. They're wonderful people. Baptized them. they got the Holy Ghost. He's a doctor. She's a doctor. They have a practice just a mile and a half. Beautiful building. And uh, he came to me a while back and said, Pastor, I've never done anything in the church. And I, I said, no. He said, I'd like to do something if you'd let me. He's a doctor. His wife's a doctor. He said, if, if you'd let me, I'd like to. I said, what's that? He said, I'd like, I thought he was going to say something big. He said, would, would, would you let me usher in this church? And I said, yeah, you'd like to usher? He's a member. He's living for God. He's straightened up his life all the way. Brother Booker, he's living for God. And every Sunday morning now, he's standing back there at that right door, and he's an usher. Amen. It don't matter who you are, who you are, what your name is, where you came from, God can 
use you. My, my, my. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Now, let me move on real quickly. So here's Peter and Paul, the two that I'm emphasizing this afternoon. Paul was born in the city of Tarsus, brought up at the feet of Gamaliel, educated in the perfect manner of the law, concerning being a Pharisee and concerning the Jews' religion, he was blameless. He had his act together. He was taught in the perfect manner of the law. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. But God saw something in him. I said, God saw something in him. And God said, I think I can use that man. And God changed his life. And he becomes the great apostle Paul that writes 14 books in the New Testament. Praise God. Praise God. So we've got Paul, the scholar, and we got Peter, the fisherman, and both of them have an experience with God and a call of God and a purpose of God and to do the will of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If I was to ask, want to ask somebody how to build a church, I'd, I'd probably ask Brother Joel Holmes, how do you build a church? And one of my friends one time went to old Brother Ben Pemberton. Some of you may remember him. I remember Ben Pemberton. I've been in services where he preached when I was a boy, pastored in St. Louis, was well known. And uh, he just said anything he wanted to say. He was a very short man, but he could jump higher than anybody in this house. In fact, they arrested him one time when he was having church in a basement because he jumped up and his head hit the ceiling. And there was people that lived up above him, and they brought him into court. True story. They brought Ben Pemberton into court. And the judge knew Ben Pemberton well. He was well known in St. Louis. And uh, so they got through saying, we're working people. We sleep at night. We can't sleep. This preacher jumping 10, 11, and 12 o'clock at night. They're, they're hitting our, our floor, their ceiling, and we can't sleep at night. And so when he got through, the judge was going to just kind of smooth it over. He said, well, Brother Ben, why don't you just apologize to these people, and we'll just throw this case out of court. I think they would accept your apology. And so Ben walks over and said, my friend, I am sorry that I've been bumping your floor, which is my ceiling. But he said, bless God, the only thing I'm sorry of, that I didn't come up through that floor and get you baptized, get you with the Holy Ghost. And the judge said, case dismissed, case dismissed. All of you get out of my court. Of That's the same Ben Pemberton came down around Saxton, Missouri. And my wife was a young girl then playing the piano. We weren't married at that time. She was a teenager. And he didn't think she was, she was playing that piano well enough. And Ben Pemberton comes over while church is going on. They're singing. He said, Mickey, give that piano the devil. She said, what? He said, I said, give it the devil. 
She didn't know how to give it to the devil, but she started playing hard. <laughs> Amen. They asked Ben one time, said, how do you build a church? Had hundreds of people back when others didn't have hundreds. He said, there's two things you got to know how to do. Build a church. You got to keep the roof from falling in, and you got to keep the people from going out. He said, if you'll do that, you'll build a church. That was Ben Pemberton's philosophy. <laughs> keep the roof from coming in and keep the people from going out. Well, I, I've, I've, I've done pretty good on that first one. I've never had a ceiling to fall in my service, but I hadn't done as well on that second one. I've had some people to go out. But thank God for the people that stay. I believe I'm talking to some winners this afternoon and not quitters. Praise God, praise God. You may be seated. I'm talking to people that are winners. Some people say you Pentecostals are losers. Not on your life. We've got the best of both worlds. We got the best of this world and the world to come. Glory. I'm glad I'm in church. Anybody excited about still having the Holy Ghost? Whoa, my, 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 my. Mm. Hallelujah. I feel his presence in this place. I said, I feel his presence here. Glory. So you got Paul the scholar, Simon Peter the fisherman. They had an issue one time. I was reading it this week since I've been here. I was reading Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 through 15. I won't take time to read it, but Paul said that I confronted Peter to his face because he was to be blamed. And so what in the world's the blame? Well, it seemed like that, uh, that Peter would get around the Gentiles and he'd say, boy, y'all are great folks. We love you. Glad you're in the church and, and, and so on. But when he got around the Jews, then he sort of shunned the Gentiles. Amen. And Paul said, you know, by now, Simon, you ought to know that this gospel is for both the Jew and the Gentile. It's for the Jew and the Greek. It's for the bond and the free. It's for the male and female. We've all been made one in Christ Jesus. And by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So Peter, Peter was influencing some people. Paul said he even influenced Barnabas and a few more and had them kindly concern and Mixed up, didn't know exactly what to do. So you look at Acts 15, they had that little Jerusalem council. From what I can see in the New Testament, the apostles and disciples came back to Jerusalem 21 times for consultation. Whatever you want to call it. The apostles and the disciples, they had to come back to Jerusalem and, and, and reaffirm the church was in its embryo stages. The church was in its beginning stages. They didn't have a New Testament like we got tonight, today. They didn't have a lot of the things we've got. 
So they, they had to have it reaffirmed. And, and Peter was one of the stalwarts of faith. And Paul was one of the stalwarts of the faith. And, and they taught at Jerusalem that, that uh, uh, you know, these, these Judaizers were teaching that you got to be circumcised after the manner of Moses and after the manner of the law. And after much discussion, they began to give from Jerusalem a few things that would give clarity to the church and, and give solidity to the church and, and give strength to the church. Hallelujah. Brother, since I've got the Holy Ghost, I believe your Jerusalem is the house of God. It's your man of God. It's your pastor, your shepherd. Amen. After you get the Holy Ghost, you're not going to know everything. You've got to come back to this house and get some instruction. Hey, we're still learning. We're still learning. How many still learning? How many still growing? We're to grow in grace and wisdom and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So we're still, you may be seated, we're still learning. Who was it that said, I don't remember, he said, if you're too old to learn, you're too dumb to live. There's some truth in that. There's some truth in that. And uh, since I'm the oldest one preaching on this schedule this week, well, I, but I'm not too old to learn. I've been learning something Wednesday night. I was learning something yesterday. I was learning something last night. I was learning something today. I'll be learning something tonight. I don't ever want to graduate from this school of learning more and more about Jesus. Amen, amen. So Peter would say, now, I'm an eyewitness of his majesty and glory. I was there. If they wanted to have a little back and forth between Simon Peter and Paul, they could kind of go back and forth on who, who was the preeminent one, but they understood that Jesus was their message. Jesus is still our message. Paul said, I'm determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. He's still our message. Amen. I had a preacher one time in the church, and I asked him to come and preach. He said, I don't have anything to preach. And I thought, my Lord, if you're a preacher, you ought to have something to preach. I believe any preacher in this house, if you're called on, you ought to have something to preach. Glory. Even if you're caught off guard, you can be instant in season and out of season. I believe that God's preachers have always got a message from God to help somebody. Amen, amen. And so Paul could say, well, I've had my own experiences. I've had my own experiences. And Peter could say, yes, you have. Paul, but I was there. I was an eyewitness. I want to talk about just in the next few closing minutes, the preeminence of an eyewitness. Amen. Paul could say, I had an out-of-the-body experience on my road to Damascus. But Peter could say, 
But, sir, I was there when it happened. I saw him. I'm an eyewitness. Hallelujah. You've got a lot of your information secondhand. That doesn't minimize Saul, Paul. What a great man. What a great apostle. What a great teacher. But Peter could say, I was an eyewitness. I was with him in the mount. I was with him when he taught. I was with him when he gave the Beatitudes. I was with him when he healed the lame. I was with him when he healed the sick. I was with him when he opened blinded eyes. I was with him when he unstopped deaf ears. I was with him when he cleansed the leper. Hallelujah. Peter still had this. I may not be everything, but I was there when it happened. I may be ignorant, I may be unlearned, but I was there with him, and nobody can take that away from me. Oh, let's clap our hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody praise him. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. And so... Paul could say, I was caught up in the third heaven and I heard unspeakable words that was unlawful for a man to utter. But Peter would say, yes, sir, but I was there firsthand. I'm not trying to pit these two men against each other. They both had their tremendous ministry and revelation, but I'm just showing you that God can use the highly skilled or God can use the ignorant and the unlearned. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Some of you probably remember some tracts. I used to have tracts written by Brother B.E. Eccles. Any of you ever seen some of those tracts? I had the privilege to hear B.E. Eccles in person. I was in Blue Mountain, Mississippi, preaching a little meeting there, and um, Brother B.E. Eccles was there. That was in the late 50s, and Brother Eccles was up preaching, and what a tremendous man he was. I heard him tell this story while he was preaching that afternoon. He said, um, I was in East Texas, I think Marshall, and he said, he was preaching a revival there, and he said, I was walking down the street one afternoon. I remember Brother Eccles distinctly saying that I got in front of a barbershop. And when I got in front of that barbershop, the Holy Ghost, you know, we still got to leave room for the Spirit to talk. That was a breath from God right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Spirit's moving, folks. I said, we still got to leave room and place in our services for the dynamic, the unusual, the out of the ordinary, that which is not scheduled, that which is not planned. Whoa, hallelujah. Maybe it's seated. So Brother Echo said, I got in front of the barbershop and the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, jump up and down three times and shout hallelujah. And he said, I said, um, mm, I don't think I'll do that. 
He's talking to himself. And he walked on and he said, God, here's an alley right here. I was in front of a place of business there. This is an alleyway, and I'll jump right here. He said, the Lord spoke to me and said, don't jump there. Go back in front of the barbershop and jump. And he said, I knew it was the voice of God, but I was a little reluctant. And he said, I finally went back and obeyed God. I got in front of the barbershop. I jumped up and down three times and shouted, hallelujah. And nothing happened. So I said, okay, God, I thought that was you. He said, I went on my way. Nine years later, Brother B.E. Echo said, I was in that community preaching a revival. And nine years later, I was preaching a tent revival. And he said, over by a tent pole over here on my right, there was an old gentleman kneeling there. And I walked over to him when he quit praying. And I said, sir, uh, have you ever been to Pentecostal church? He said, no, sir. Did somebody invite you tonight? He said, no, sir. He said, could I ask you how you managed to come to this service? He said, well, you may not believe me, but he said, nine years ago, I was sitting in a barber shop. I just get my hair cut. Anybody believe the Holy Ghost can still talk? Maybe seated for a moment. And he said, I saw the craziest thing. I was just sitting there, my mind, I was daydreaming, getting a haircut, and said, I saw the craziest thing. He said, What was it? He said, I saw a man stop in front of that barbershop and jump up and down three times and hollered hallelujah. And I thought, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. What's the matter with him? He said, But I got that haircut, and he said, Sir, believe me, for nine years there hasn't been a day, not one day, I haven't thought of that. And I think if I ever see that man, I'll know him and I, 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 something about him. I'll, and he said, they, they got a handbill around town. One was on a, on, a, on a pole over there and it had your picture on it. And he said, I walked by it and I said, that's the man. <laughs> and he said, that's why I'm here tonight and God filled him with the Holy Ghost that night. Glory! Glory! You may be seated. Paul could say, I've had visions and revelations. Some people ever has that. They want to elevate themselves real high. They're the spiritual person of the church. Paul said, I, he could say, I've had vision, sir, and I've had revelation. And Peter could say, but, but I was there. I, I was there. I'm an eyewitness. I, I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm not telling you what somebody else said. And Paul could say, well, the signs of an apostle have been wrought among you in my ministry here. Peter could say, yeah, that's true. But I was there. You ever hear that old song, I was there when it happened, and I guess I ought to know? Well, that's too old for most of you folks. <laughs> well, I know when Jesus saved me, the very moment he forgave me, you've heard it, hadn't you? Tuck away my heavy burdens, and he gave me peace within now, I know I'm not a singer. 
In fact, when I sing, angels weep. I understand that. That's why I don't sing. Heaven's flag is flown at half mask when I sing. And that's why I don't sing. Praise God. But I can say with Peter, I, I, I was there. I got something. I felt it. It's like fire shut up in my bones. Woo! Anybody got the Holy Ghost? Has anybody got the fire in your spirit? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe seated. Paul could say, I've got the background. I've got the education. I've got the skills. I've got the pedigree. I'm a blue blood. Amen. And again, I, not for one second, am, am minimizing education. In our generation and in our day, your best to get all you can. But don't let your education stand between you and God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I know of a county judge, I don't know him personally, but I know of him, that drove a bus route for a certain church last Sunday and brought in 150-something people on his bus, and he is the county judge. That's his business, but he brought in 100-something people on a bus. I'm going to tell you, friend, you never get too high or too low to do something for God's great name. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody praise him with all of your heart right now. My, my, my. My, my, my. Praise God. The preeminence of an eyewitness. Maybe seated. Acts 10, 39, very quickly. Acts 10 and verse 39. Let me read it. And we, Peter said, our witnesses. Now, he's at Cornelius' house, fixing to baptize some Gentiles, and they're about to get the Holy Ghost. In fact, they got the Holy Ghost before they got baptized. But even though they got the Holy Ghost, they were still commanded to be baptized in the name of the Lord. You may have the Holy Ghost, that's great, but you're still commanded to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Some people are saying baptism is not for the remission of sins. I believe the book said it is for the remission or the removal or the washing away of your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So Peter said, Acts 10, we are witnesses of these things, which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after 
he rose from the dead. Peter said, I was with him during his ministry. And let me tell you a little bit about Simon Peter that you already know. Before Jesus died on the cross, Peter, what do you want to say, backslid? What did he do? I don't know what, he, I don't know what you got to do to backslide, but I'll tell you what Peter did. He cursed. He swore. He denied the Lord. He even said, I don't even know the man. And they said, well, you was with him? He said, no, I wasn't with him. And they said, oh, yeah, you were. You got the Galilean accent. <laughs> you, you, you can't hide what you got. You got the Galilean accent. You were there with him. Peter cursed, swore, and denied the Lord and said, I don't even know him. And warmed at the wrong fire with a bunch of people he shouldn't have been around. But after Jesus died, I looked, Brother Bo, and 50 days later, they're getting ready to have church. And if they had a pulpit, they got one there and said, well, we're going to turn it over to Brother Simon Peter. 50 days after cursing and denying, I believe there is an absolute untapped revival of backsliders in our, in our country. <laughs> oh, you may be seated. And when they come back to church, they already believe Jesus' name. They already believe in the Holy Ghost tongues. They already believe in one God. They already believe in being faithful to church. They already pay their tithes. There is a revival of backsliders. My God, help us. Somebody shout hallelujah. 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 You may be seated. I don't care what you've done or what you've been through or what you've said. In this church, there is hope for everybody. This church is a venue of hope. It's an avenue of hope. It doesn't matter how far you've been. I've seen people get a long ways away from God, and today they're serving God. It doesn't matter. Work on your family. Work on your friends. Don't say they can't come. Don't say they will not come. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And so Peter said, uh, God has chosen witnesses, and we did eat with him, and we did drink with him after he rose from the dead. Hallelujah. I'm an eyewitness. I'm an eyewitness. Glory to God. What does that verse in, in 2 Peter 3, 14 say? 2 Peter 3. I'm going to rush to close. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number, what is it? Verse 14, I think. 2 Peter 3 and verse 14. Notice what he said. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And account that the long suffering of the Lord is salvation. Well, I like that. The long suffering 
the patience, the extension of God's mercy and grace gives salvation and the hope of salvation to all mankind. Hallelujah. And then he says in verse number uh, 15, to count the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. Peter said, even as our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, here's Peter now commending Paul, speaking of them in these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. Are, the word rest there is, means to change or to change forcibly. Notice what he said. He said, our beloved Paul, man, he's brilliant. He's a scholar. He's got it all down pat. And some of his things are hard to be understood. And some people even trying to change it. But you can't change the word of God. Let God be true and every man a liar. Paul, the brilliant scholar, there's a place in the ministry for you. Peter, the unlearned fisherman, there's a place in the ministry for you. And everybody in between there. Glory, 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 glory. Moses could say, I was there. I saw his glory. And when Moses came from that encounter with God, his face was shining with the glory of God. Isaiah could say, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. The man in chapter 9 of St. John they could come to him and say, uh, what can you tell us about this man? And he said, I don't know. Do you know him? I don't know him. What's his background? I don't know. What is his eye, what's the color of his eyes? I don't know. How tall was he? I don't know. He said, there's only one thing, Brother Marks, that I know. There's one thing I know, and I'm going to stand on that. I once was blind, but now I can see. I'm going to stand on that. <laughs> There's a lot of things I don't know, but I know this, that at the age of 15, I went to an altar. I repented. They took me out to a river and baptized me in Jesus' name. On a Monday night, I got the Holy Ghost. I know that. Devil, you can't take that away from me. I'm preaching to somebody today that needs to remind the devil, you're a child of God, you're blood washed, you've got the Holy Ghost, you're going to heaven, and he can't stop you. Let's all stand to our feet. Hallelujah. Peter said, I'm an eyewitness. I was there. Now then, Peter and Paul have been gone for 2,000 years or so. And where does that leave us? Well, I'll tell you where it leaves us. We've got the spirit of this risen, resurrected Christ in us. Peter's not here anymore and Paul's not here. What about us in our day? Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 16, we know him no more after the flesh. 
You're not going to see Jesus in a fleshly human body here this afternoon. But brother, you can know him just as sure as you saw and they saw his visible presence. Now then, it's not just Christ with us, but it's Christ in us. The hope of glory. Hallelujah. 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 I said it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. How many has got Christ in you? You cannot say with a natural eye, I saw him, but you can say, I know him. I have him. He's in my heart. Glory. Glory. Somebody ought to reach out to God right now. My God have mercy. Many today, musicians, would you please come, if you don't mind? Many today are saying the Holy Ghost is not for us. It was only for the 12 apostles, or the 120 in the upper room in Jerusalem. It was only for first century church. Having already accomplished its purpose, it's no longer for us today. One man went to a church where they didn't believe what you believe here, and he went in, he was a guest, he took his Bible. And after going there for six months, he came up with a book earned. Story goes that he handed the Bible to the pastor. Pastor opened it up, and all it was was just two covers. Didn't have any content. And he said, what are you doing? He said, well, I've been coming here six months, and everything that you said is not for us today. I tore that page out. When you told us that baptism in Jesus' name wasn't for us today, I tore that out. When you told us the Holy Ghost is not for today, I tore that out. When you said that speaking in tongues is, is not of God and it may be of the devil, I tore that out. He said, I went down through the book, and here it is, preacher. Here's your Bible. Hallelujah. I'm glad we've got Jesus on the inside. <laughs> Hallelujah. In Acts 2, the Jews got it. In Acts 8, Samaria's the guy. In Acts 10, the Gentiles got it. In Acts 19, in Ephesus, the Gentiles got it. Thank God we have Christ on the inside. On the inside. And experience is better than an argument any day. Hallelujah. And so, we have Christ in us. I cannot say I've seen him with a natural eye, but I can say that I love him. He's in me. Paul said, oh, that I might know him through the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable even to his death. Hallelujah. We've heard the story, and I may not be saying exactly right. Brother Booker and Brother Bo are the scholars, and they can help us. And I'm saying that very very truthfully, these men are scholars. Brother Bo took us through the Word of God yesterday, and I'm still wondering where it's at, where I'm at there, man. I, I, but I loved it. I want him to come to our church and preach that same message. I want to hear that second time. I hear that again. Amen. Hallelujah. But I heard, we've all heard about G.T. Haywood. 
what, Indianapolis, where he was from, and uh, some of his friends on the West Coast had, they didn't have cell phones back then, didn't have a lot of things back then. But somebody sent him perhaps a telegram and said, there are some Jesus name baptized people coming your way. They are one God people. They are oneness people. They baptize only in the name of Jesus Christ. They don't use the titles Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And so the telegram said, you better be careful when they come to your area and beware of them. And from what I heard, Bishop Haywood sent him a telegram back and said, I've already been to the water. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You've got it. Why don't we come and pray? Oh, Lord,